What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 27th draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside my BFCA buddy, Eric Marchin. How are you? 420, bro. Get yes. lit. Well, Get when lit. we're recording this. I know. When this comes out, it will be 422. <laughs> I think so. I mean, you can still get lit. It's legal in Canada. Any other listeners, unless you're in certain states and certain countries in Europe, I don't know which ones. But see if it applies to you. Yes, check your Uh, laws. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I think I'm doing a little better than you because you seem like you need to go (laughs) to the washroom. Stop, stop. (laughs) Uh, My Trenta cold brew's hitting me, but uh, that's fine. Coffee, the Um, natural laxatives. uh, Apologies, we did not do an episode last week, but as yeah, because you're some sort of you know working man now. You sold out. No, yeah, I pretty much. Um, No, I was incredibly, incredibly busy, and and we decided to kind of uh, just take a little bit of a. I was exhausted last week, man. Works great. Uh, I'm I'm back. to an, uh, a, a full-time gig, but we will continue to do this uh, weekly, um, uh, or we're going to try to. Um, we just needed a little bit of a kind of a, a catch-up from my my first week, but it's the long weekend. We're recording in my makeshift studio at my wonderful parents' house. Yeah, which so we, we've happy done. Easter, happy Passover, happy 420, yeah. happy everything else happy just everyone be happy uh if you guys didn't know this is the untitled movie podcast each and every week uh usually uh eric and i get together and talk about our our lives and movies and and what's going on in hollywood and and uh if we have to go to the bathroom and what coffees we're drinking oh yeah um this is the bowel movement podcast (laughs) if you like this uh we do another podcast called the untitled movie reviews where eric and i get together and review movies uh usually every week um it's been a little slow the last kind of month or so. Yeah, but um, I mean, rightfully so, because we have a film coming out at the end of this month that yeah. I don't think any other movie wants to be near, near in terms it. of competition, yeah. even if it's kind of a mid-range budget kind of movie. And it's been an interesting month because we've had, uh, I mean, I started the new job and we had NHL playoffs on right now, so I've been kind of a little bit behind in my movie watching, which we'll get into in a second. But uh, we do have a few things. So. So um, we do have a review of Teen Spirit, which should be up as you are listening to this. Uh, I messed up on that one, and um, uh, it's on the wrong computer, so it was up a little bit late. But as you're listening to this, a review of Teen Spirit should be up there. And then check back, uh, depending on when you're listening uh, to this, on uh, Tuesday, April 23rd at 6 p.m., we'll have something cool <laughs> for you to listen to. I don't know if we can talk about it, but you probably know what we're talking about, but we're just being a little bit coy. So, oh, you didn't know, uh, but uh, you'll, you better call somebody. You better. So uh, <laughs> check back here Tuesday evening, and uh, there should be a really cool review going up uh, for you guys to, to listen to. So uh, definitely check out that channel. Subscribe there uh, to get all our reviews, and then uh, which they're a little bit shorter than this nonsense that goes on for way too long. But only a little. Um, they're about 20, 20 minutes so go over there and listen to those too our shazam review is our longest right we went 30 something minutes on shazam we did yeah i don't know why we did that i I don't either um eric what have you been watching man i've been watching a bit um so i hit up uh, the criterion channel shout out to uh mitchell corner who uh mentioned that there's a number of uh british films that are out of print on uh physical media from the criterion channel but uh are available um, on the streaming service, one of which is 
um, my favorite Bob Hoskins performance, which is the Super L- Mario Brothers. Super Mario Brothers uh, with John Leguizamo. Uh, it's kind of the same film, basically. It's called The Long Good Friday, and it's about this like British gangster, Cockney-accented character who wants to go legit, and over one weekend, his whole world is turned upside down because he's trying to get into... Um, sort of more of a a legitimate financial kind of corporate gig and um, somebody is trying to sabotage him and it's kind of him trying to figure out who it is and deal with them in the most brutal ways possible and um, there's this great speech that he has about the Olympics coming to to England at that time. This was made in the late 70s and released in 1980 Um, and also uh, Eddie Constantine from uh, Alphaville's in it and Helen Mirren as well and for like this Bob Hoskins performance of Hobbs and Shaw fame yes um, is a beast of a role for him and it just it reminds me of something like what James Cagney would have done in uh, in the 1940s or, or 30s even but um, it's it's a great it's a great film and, and it's one of those movies that I don't think is talked a lot about anymore and I mean it's of its time obviously but it's it's like your traditional gangster movie and it is extremely violent at times. Nice. Uh, have you been watching much on Criterion? Or? Well, that, um, I watched some stuff last week. I've been watching more interviews and documentary stuff. It's more, not features, but just special features that are on That there. are on the channel. Yeah, so stuff like with Bill Hader talking about some of his favorite movies and Guillermo del Toro and Sofia Coppola and stuff like that. And Nice. I saw uh, that they added Virgin Suicides. And yeah, that. yeah. So they're, they're adding stuff. And there's some stuff that's not on there as well. Like, for example... Uh, Mickey and Nikki isn't on there, even though that was the first film that they had for like their uh, their week of mm-hmm. release. But there's a rights spread- issue. Oh, I is there with okay. that one because it's playing? It's available on in the U.S. but not here. Oh, uh, on the so it's going to be a little tricky with the Canadian U.S. kind of thing. Yeah, certain things won't be available here for now, probably. Exactly. Yeah, that's always interesting. Yeah, and the reason also why I brought up Mickey and Nikki is that it's directed by Elaine May, who directed A New Leaf, which is another movie i rewatched recently i hadn't seen it in a while because i remember seeing that in the heartbreak kid when i was younger uh not the fairly brothers version but the 70s version that she directed yeah. with charles gordon um but uh a new leaf is with uh, walter Matthau and she co-stars as well elaine may um and she wrote it directed it and it's about this kind of billionaire playboy who spends all of his money and his inheritance and doesn't know what to do so his big solution to solve the problem is marry into some a, a rich family okay and use that money and it's basically the same well i mean obviously you can tell that uh billy madison stole from it so he only has a couple <laughs> weeks to do it and he has to prove to his uncle that he can uh you know woo this this heiress who's played by elaine may and uh it's kind of a fun um light-hearted rom-com but it's really well written it's snappy dialogue both leads are great james coco is funny um and it's a it's a fun 70s film nice man yeah and you also uh you rewatched High Life. Too, I did. Right? I was I was back in Claire Denise High Life again. Yeah. So not how Steve did it, Winwood style. Did though. it hold up for you? Yeah, it did. I liked it even more the second time, just in terms of not having seen anything else that same day. Because when I saw it at TIFF, um, it's probably it was like our, our second or third second or third movie of the day, and I feel like Out that's of a four film or five. Yeah. You need time to really kind of sit on because it does stick with you, even though yeah. it is a tough watch, even yeah. going in the second time. But it, it does move 
a lot quicker um, the second time around than I was thinking it would be. Like it wasn't as much of a a, a slog. Yeah, because I think that was my issue, and I I do blame that. Oh, I just found a my sister and Nevis were playing the game of life yesterday, so I found a little piece. A little um, piece of life. Yeah, uh, yeah. During TIFF, I think I didn't hate it. It was just I think it was a tough watch in the middle of the festival, and yeah. I wouldn't mind giving it another shot, like when it maybe comes out and on. Uh, digital or, or dvd not dvd blu-ray or 4k or something right. like that um, vhs yeah <laughs> um but yeah I, I i'm you said they added a scene as well or our friend anna swanson yeah yeah she mentioned, mentioned that's why i saw it again because I've, i i mean i wanted to see it again just to refresh myself before doing the review but anytime a movie adds something or subtracts something um, after a TIFF screening, I always try my best to go and see it again, even if it's something that I didn't really like. For example, Roman J. Israel Esquire I saw it twice because... Which I've never gone back to watch. Because I, I felt that giving a proper review, you need to see the, the version that is being released I, theatrically. I totally agree, yeah. So the the with the release of High Life, um, there's a scene of exposition that kind of explains... Um, sort of what the government is doing, the insidious nature of, you know, this cube being launched in outer space with death row inmates. So it, it to me, like, basically, it's just there for uh, conjecture and, and, and isn't really doing anything that is needed specifically for the film. Like, you kind of get what it's doing from the first scene that you have with Robert Pattinson and the baby to the flashbacks. You don't need this professor and student doing a back and forth that have no other connection to the story other other than than to to give you obligatory exposition. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's, I still like it a lot. And I, I think I, so far it is my favorite film of the year. Okay, cool. I, yeah, I really, I feel like it's one of those TIFF movies that I was soft on um, just because of the nature of of it is it, again it like, is a, and it's also a tough movie oh, to totally. watch but it is weirdly one of the most accessible uh, films of of Claire Denis I would say maybe thirty five shots of rum and let the sunshine in are probably also somewhat more easier to kind of dive in but yeah like when you have a film that is showing uh sexual assault and violence and a fuck box it's like you don't know necessarily how to process it at, at first yeah. but at the same time it's a movie that never kind of left me and, yeah. and i'm still thinking about it now yeah i mean i would agree with that even if i didn't really care for it but uh anything else you wanted to that you watched i always i mean it is it is the religious holiday and uh, for the favorite most, Easter movies. Favorite Easter movies. So I want to rewatch um, Life of Brian. Okay. Um, which is Monty Python's Life of Brian, and it's one of those movies again. Like it's just a, it's it's interesting to look at it now in terms of how um, people reacted to it when it was released. So this was a movie that was like considered to be uh, sacrilegious, and mm-hmm. you know christian groups were petitioning the film and and you watch it now and it's just a silly very tame (laughs) same tame movie although i remember it was one of the first movies i saw that has a full frontal male nudity from graham chapman uh you could say that you could you could see his burning bush uh oh um i hate you (laughs) i know (laughs) but it's it's i don't know i i find it funny and, and and i always love the last scene of the film when um you know uh Brian's worship Brian's Brian's worshipers are being crucified and they're saying always look on the bright side of life and Eric Idle's leading the the charge with that and it's um 
it's a good song. It's a funny movie. It's I've not never my favorite a, of. I've never been a Monty Python. They're guy, an acquired but, taste, yeah. but I'd say like out of all of their work, probably Holy Grail is yeah. my favorite of of them. I mean, I like Flying Circus and I like Meaning of Life, but um, Life of Brian is is still a, a funny movie and worth checking out, especially this time of year. Right? Yeah, I, I I'd be open to it. It's just you know me with a, and like British humor. Yeah, it's very like British, that, which is like but it's also really very nice. like there. I mean, like Terry Jones and and a lot of those guys have history degrees. Yeah, so like they are you know smart enough it it's the smart kind of stupid like yeah they're satirizing yeah. it but they know what they're satirizing a thousand percent uh for me i man i've been slacking this month man like i haven't watched anything since the last time we recorded not a single movie and i've only watched four movies in april and the last thing i watched was ghost protocol on april 9th so yeah, with everything that's going on, I've just uh, You've been busy, been busy, and I've been like and... watching a little bit of TV and YouTube and stuff like that when I have free time, and then a lot of NHL playoffs. So uh, the Leafs are up three uh, two against the Bruins. Actually, by the time you guys listen to this, I don't know what will happen in Game Six, which is on Easter Sunday at three p.m. So future uh, Matt will know. Yeah, future Matt will know, and you guys will know uh, if any of you pay attention to NHL hockey. Um, Kyle, but, yeah, Kyle will. Your brother Kyle. But um, so I've been watching a lot of playoff hockey because it's just uh, it's taken over because there's always two or three games a night. So even when the Leafs aren't playing, I kind of like to just have it on as I'm decompressing after work this week and stuff like that. And um, there's some stuff I want to be watching. Like I, I want to be keeping up with the kind of funny in review series. They're doing Mission Impossible, as I mentioned. So I still need to watch Rogue Nation and Fallout, which will be this upcoming Tuesday's review. Uh, and I also wanted to try and power through a bunch of MCU movies, just kind of like my highlights, both like ones that I think will be good just right before Endgame to kind of catch up with and ones that I just really enjoy, like Iron Man 3 and Ragnarok and stuff like that. I'm going to try and... So now that I'm home at my parents this weekend, I brought my Apple TV with me because it's really easy to kind of travel around with. And, um, uh, and I think I might... Just after we're done recording today, I'll just lounge around and kind of watch stuff. And I do. There's Under the Silver Lake that also was released, which we'll be talking about too in the in what's new. But uh, I do kind of want to catch up with that. So this weekend, now that um, I mean, Nevis is visiting her her grandmother who flew in from Croatia. Um, I might have some free time to. I mean, I'm gonna go visit her and say and hang out this week as well. But I hope to be ramping up my movie watching this week. Get I think back that, on track. There's a certain movie coming out that I'm sure I'll go see a few times. Yes, you got to um, keep Sam Jackson at number one on your actors list on Letterboxd. I, I want to see how many years in a row that will happen. I feel like it will forever. Be, <laughs> yeah, probably. You know who's um, my number one right now is Jason Clark. <laughs> Is he? I gotta check mine. Let's pull it up. This this segment is not sponsored by Letterboxd. I'll pull up mine but as well. The what we're watching usually, I mean, shout out. They're not a sponsor, but like shout out to Letterboxd. Letterboxd is I, great. Yeah. Uh, whenever we do the what we've been watching, that's usually my reference. Is uh, I go back on my my Letterboxd and uh, see what I have been watching. And I this month has just gone to shit. I just haven't watched anything. Um, I don't know if you can log like the Twilight Zone episodes. I haven't really looked into that yet. Um. I know that's everyone has different rules on Letterboxd. Yeah. I know that's that's sacrilege to you, but right. I, but then uh, again, I I mean I I can't be too hypocritical because I did put Twin Peaks: The Return right. as my number one movie of 2017. Right. With um anthology series, I kind of sort of consider each oh, yeah. little episode as Sam Jackson number two, Jason Clark number one. What do we think mine is? I've seen four oh. Jason. <laughs> 
<laughs> I know. <laughs> Mine's Vin Diesel <laughs> in nine films. So I've and... watched Pet Cemetery, The Aftermath, rewatched First Man and Serenity. Yeah, for Vin Diesel, I've watched Guardians 1 and 2, Infinity War, and all of the Fast and Furious movies. I've got a good crop of one. directors. Um, Miyazaki, Elaine May. But Sam Jackson, number two with eight Larry films. Larry Cohen, Claire Denis, Vim Vendors, Mine. M. Night. Gem, uh, Justin Lin, Steven Spielberg, <laughs> M. Night, James Gunn, J.J. Abrams. It gives you an idea Russo's. of our taste. Todd Phillips. <laughs> Damn it. It's only going to go up, yeah. right? Uh, that's uh, fun. Uh, but yeah, I haven't really been watching much, but um, I've been slacking. But um, you know what? I, I go through phases like this sometimes where I, I there's so many things, and we talk about this a lot, that like, yeah, we love movies, but... I also love hockey, so when the Leafs are in the playoffs, that kind of takes over. Or I also love uh, comic books, so I was reading Invincible, and I finished uh, finished reading that. I don't know. I think I mentioned that. So on what the you're show. trying to tell me I'm is like, that you have a life outside of film? No, I I mean barely. But, right. Uh, we gotta and, somehow like incorporate them into the hockey game. So it's like you see them on the jumbotron. It's like they're just playing a movie. So yeah, during a hockey, a hockey game. game, you see yeah. one whole film. Yeah, I. Uh, They've been advertising Endgame a lot during the NHL playoffs, and I've had I I feel like a little child because um, I've done a great job. I'm proud of myself, Eric. For um, I've only really watched that first trailer we got. I think I I didn't watch the second trailer that dropped, and there have been TV spots that play all the time, and I hear fucking Thanos's voice come on, and I see or I don't want to say anything in case other people I, I haven't watched trailers, but there's certain things where I'm like, wait, are you saying that Thanos is in this movie? No, there's and there's other things like you know they're gonna happen or that the reunion's gonna happen or something like that, but then like I wish I just experienced it in the movie and not in a trailer, and this is the one movie lately and i guess star wars will be like that too later in the year um as we get closer to it i want to remove myself from the marketing right like certain things like we're going to talk about the hobbs and shaw trailer today which is basically a movie yeah <laughs> it's just the movie um but i don't care about that like it's that's just i've had a smile on my face watching that o- over and over again so I don't you care wish you could I, log that on letterbox I, I don't i can't spoil anything in that movie i don't really care but um i was surprised roman reigns was in it yeah and in a lot it seems like a significant amount but we'll talk about that in trailer talk but i also just um, wanted to quickly give a shout out just to, uh, I won't be talking about it on this episode, but I went to a word of mouth screening of uh, Longshot, and uh, my friend, a friend of ours, uh, Andrew Feigl, uh was nice enough to uh, drive uh, us down to Queensway, Queensway and uh, we spent three hours in traffic. Because traffic. Uh, you went during rush hour yeah. and stuff too, right? Um, but it was great because we just got to talk about movies, and uh, he's a good guy, and I hope at some point we can get him on the show because yeah. he, he wants to be on the show and talk about I movies, know, uh, and, he, and he listens to the show regularly and i'm like why do you do this andrew don't (laughs) listen to the show go live your life no i appreciate everyone who's listening and all our friends who reach out and i'd love to get people on and we talk about that and it'll take time because of just oh yeah it's difficult because our schedules are just all over the place right so to get but if we start setting on saturdays or something like that that we're recording that everyone has those that time to come over then we'll we'll get into a spot maybe once a month have a guest or yeah, something like yeah. that and be... we will get someone like andrew on there because he's i mean he's he knows so much about film yeah so. he's great andrew's amazing I and he's got love... such a dry sense of humor yeah i always love bumping into and uh andrew's great uh 
Okay, let's move over to staying at home, um, which we do a lot of. So that's why this segment yeah. is important to us. Eric, there's some stuff on Blu-ray and 4K that you wanted to uh, yeah, talk about. Yeah, I mean, we should first mention um, the, the the two films that we've been most divided on this year. And you can go back into the Untitled Movie Doesn't uh, happen reviews. very often. but Right, but it's, it's funny because I think we both gave um the opposite ratings for each one so yeah. three and a half and two. two yeah so um i'm talking about glass and the kid who would be king um both of which are now available on 4k mm-hmm. um i don't know if they're necessarily even like Worth you know run out and <laughs> yeah. buying them but it is an interest they're, they're they're you know early releases getting uh mid spring uh physical media releases mm-hmm. so yeah yeah even for me I know we're on opposite sides of each of them. Not too far. Like, we're both kind of either middling or didn't really care for it right. on either side. And so I think it's not, like, a hard go buy it or or don't. Because, like, I liked Glass. Uh, I don't think I would suggest anyone to maybe go run out and purchase it. Like, maybe and, and rent that's, it And that's how something. I feel about the kid who would be yeah. king. Like, I think it's a, it would be a good rental. I think younger kids might have fun with it. But it's not necessarily something that you need to have in your collection unless you really enjoyed it. Yeah. What you should do, though, is buy Attack the Block. Yes, a thousand percent agree with you there. Yeah. So I'm also looking at uh, the list that Matt has on his uh, notes. So uh, Alien 4K and The Witch 4K will be available um this coming week or by the time you're listening to it they should be available and i've heard that the alien 4k uh transfer looks great uh, oh the yeah digital bits put a review out for the transfer and they said it's it's again worth buying oh and my it God, seems like I i've had wait, yeah. every version I of alien, alien yeah that's that's been available on format so why not uh you know continue that is it 40th anniversary yeah 40th and 4k nice yep. yeah i'm excited i hope my digital version gets transferred to a 4k um it's a great I, looking movie so yeah. you can imagine what it would look like on 4k yeah i'm really excited for that and then um leading into uh my digital section but i will jump in on the physical um winter soldier and civil war are both available on uh 4k uh this tuesday the 23rd so as you guys are listening to this on monday if you're uh an avid right away can't wait for eric and i to fucking put this out uh bless you thank you for doing that but on tuesday tuesday the 23rd um uh, civil war and winter soldier uh will be available on 4k um which is pretty cool because i i picked up avengers and age of ultron uh and they both look good um again like you said they have that kind of glossy tv look because of joss whedon a little yeah, bit yeah the but televisual like, i think avengers more than age of ultron because avengers is the only mcu movie that's in 185 like it's it, which is more of a tv aspect ratio for me or, right or something that plays in comedy a lot or, or things like that but which like, also is to whedon's um, strength yeah both of them uh, <laughs> i just prefer i mean technically um infinity war and um and Endgame will be in their IMAX format, which is closer to 185. Um, but usually on the home releases, they still put out the two, 239 version. Because um, I think that's... Uh, it's weird when you don't know the director's preferred version because they kind of have to do the marketing spiel about IMAX, right? And how uh, they shot them on those digital IMAX cameras. But... Y- Usually, it seems like their preferred version is the 239 version because that's what's being released on 4K. Unlike something like Fallout or Mission Impossible, which 
seems like McQuarrie preferred version is the switching aspect ratios to the IMAX style footage, right? So right. that's interesting. Um, I don't know if Civil War, the 4K version, has the IMAX footage or if it just stays at 239. Did the regular Blu-ray? I'm not sure. That would be a Mike Munz question. That would probably. be a Mike Munz question because I did not pick that one up on Blu-ray. Yeah, I know. it's not. You're not a huge fan of Civil War. But um, maybe a, a tweet at Michael Renee photos pics on twitter i forget what mike's <laughs> a twitter completely different is. person other than just, mike Munch. he's working for us now just yeah. ask him he's our like big uh, uh home home theater friend um shout out to mike um and then that leads into the uh digital stuff on itunes canada i'm maybe in itunes us sorry to us listeners or european listeners um itunes canada is having a marvel studio sale so uh, there are a bunch of titles on for twelve ninety nine. So uh, I picked out a few that um, I mean I I picked up Iron Man three and Civil War because I wanted to watch those this weekend before um, Endgame. Uh, but also you have Infinity War on there for thirteen dollars, uh, Ragnarok, Spider Man Homecoming. So some of the best MCU movies in my opinion. Iron uh, Man three and Homecoming yeah. are the best, and you can and, fight and, me. If and you Ragnarok want to would be up there too, I think. So not you, um, Matt, but yeah. the listeners. Yeah. Um, I'm with you, dude. I, I think that they're they're right there at the top, and I think even if you include Infinity War and Civil War, those are five of the best um, MCU movies, uh, in my opinion. Uh, so, and then there's also like the rest of the Thor movies and a couple other ones for twelve ninety nine, and then there's some for regular price up there. But if you wanted to do a quick catch up before uh, Endgame next week, uh, those are some pretty good prices. I mean, uh, yeah. So, and then, uh, also wanted to mention it in 4k is $10. There's like a Warner brother sale going on on iTunes right now. So there's a bunch of Warner brother stuff in for 4k, like game night and, uh, uh, God, what else? Blade runner 2049. So a lot of recent Warner brothers movies are we should be getting um, a trailer for it. Chapter two. Pretty soon, soon. Probably. Yeah. What would be the next big Warner brothers Pokemon? Oh, would La Lorena <laughs> maybe have it? Or, well, or is that already out? It's already out. Oh, okay. For, sorry. <laughs> it would have made sense, but yeah. Pokemon, right? For the kids. Uh, I, I doubt it. But <laughs> And then, uh, as I mentioned earlier, um, uh, Under the Silver Lake is uh, finally being released and uh, is being put... I think it got a sh- small theatrical release, yes. and then it's also available uh, on demand. Yes, so. so that's 824 in the U.S., and then Mongrel Media has it in Canada. Mm-hmm. So uh, see the film that everybody hated at Cannes last year. <laughs> yep, and we'll be talking about Cannes. We'll actually try to watch it or catch up with it to talk about it on this show or mm-hmm. the review show at some point because I think it would be worth talking about. Yeah, I mean, about. we both really loved It Follows, yeah. and um, I'm curious. It Like, I I wanted to see this, and it, it played a couple festivals last year and then kept getting delayed and delayed and delayed, and they might have recut some of it. I heard that um, it, he, he didn't want it to – David Robert Mitchell right. didn't want any of it to be cut, and he was, like, too stubborn on it, and that's why they've kept – Did they have – he had it? Final Cut, I guess? Yeah. yeah. Um, and – I mean, I, I really love It Follows, but I think partly is because it's a genre film. But I, I was kind of mixed on his first movie, uh, The Myth of the American Sleepover. But okay, I hadn't seen it. It's, it's kind of got a John Hughesy kind of vibe. But I like the storyline of being set like right before going back to school. And especially okay. because it's you know people going to college and mm-hmm. university and sort of moving into the next phase of their life. But I just feel like some of it's also very tweed and it's kind of romanticism of the youth at that point yeah yeah 
Um, so yeah, we'll try to do a review of it. I would like to maybe, uh, we'll be a little bit later on that, but maybe next weekend you'll get a review for, um, under the silver lake if we can catch it this week. Um, which I would like to. All right, moving into talking trailers. A uh, couple new trailers this week. Um, we mentioned one earlier that I want to talk about right now. So the the newest trailer for Fast and Furious Presents uh, colon Hobbs and Shaw came out. And oh boy. It's your boys, Hobbs uh, and Shaw. Our lords and saviors, Hobbs and Shaw. Um, this movie looks fucking ridiculous, obviously. It's a Fast and Furious movie. Um, but also looks like it'll be a, 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 a lot of fun and really goofy and very over the top um, and ridiculous, obviously. And um, A good late summer release. And this trailer pr- pretty much gave you the whole movie. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's the one problem I, with it. I feel like there's really nothing left No, I mean, do. I'm sure they'll still, we'll get, we'll see all those sequences in full, which will be probably right. just as crazy. In but, context, like, so we'll better um, understand them. Which is, I guess, sometimes the issue I had with the Fast and Furious movies leading into them is that I felt like they did give too much of it away, like the the big moments in the trailers. And I think when I first watched Fast 6, 7, and uh, 6 and 7 mostly leading into them, I was like, oh man, I saw those crazy moments in the trailer and had that moment of elation and laughing and like smile. Like I've smiled continuously throughout watching that trailer twice um will i have the same reactions uh when i see it in a theater because i felt like the first time i saw fast six and seven i kind of was like uh you know what it was i enjoyed it but like i i feel like well it's like a comedy right like with trailers for comedies you feel like oh did they just use all the best parts Mm -hmm. for the trailer to get you hooked in or is this you know just them marketing a film that they've that they're hiding, you know, other that it's a weird comedy. But or this was a long else. trailer it and is. showed you literally the whole movie. And it's not like we didn't know what was going to happen. Like, there's not much you can spoil in this movie, I don't think. No. Right? But, like, but they do show, you know, Helen Mirren's back. Yeah. And, and they show you every, seems Roman like every Reigns. big stunt. Yeah, Roman Reigns is there. Looking like he has way more to do than I thought he would. And but I, I, it still feels like a Fast and Furious movie too, right? Like it seems like even though they're like, it seems like they're sort of shoehorning the like we need cars and we need to go home and it's all about family and shit like that. Right. Like it definitely feels like that stuff's kind of in there just to be like, eh, it's a Fast and Furious movie, and then but uh, it's also Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah, and um, it does look like it's got that kind of buddy cop kind of uh, like with both of them good guy bad guy and then also a bit of a comic book movie and Mm -hmm. i was saying to you before we were uh recording picking up our coffees at starbucks i mean it even has a bit of a vibe of like the predator where it's like you have to go back to the basics to beat the you know super technology yeah or the yeah so but i like them uh getting even more ridiculous and adding in that kind of uh, uh super not supernatural but um superhuman uh, yeah superhuman element to it because i feel like for these movies to continue i think and they keep having to up the ante right so they eventually got to the government having to save the world right but now what's that next step okay now you have a superhuman <laughs> like, right and then you're saying we everyone makes that joke about you either need to go the time travel route or the space route right yeah or eventually you're or gonna fight get robots yeah which i mean it, it seems like they're even they're gonna get there sooner than later but uh, i think vanessa kirby looks awesome in this 
playing a Shaw sister, which I didn't know if we knew before this because I didn't. Right. Um, well, they'll just keep adding family members. Right. Like, to that's the Shaw the, family. Yeah. It's just going to be this giant British family that just has all these badass. Like my cousin Phil's in trouble. Yeah. What other badass like British person can we add into this uh, family? Um, Tom Hardy. Yeah. But it looks dope, man. Like, I'm, I'm excited. I think it looks... Uh, fucking awesome and i just i had a smile across my face um throughout every trailer of this yeah i just feel like the choreography looks like it'll be like david light david light directed this right and as much as uh we're both hitter you're hit or miss on both john wick and, and deadpool yeah um i i really like john wick and i think he's a good stunt choreographer and like a stunt man so i feel like um I just think the fight scenes. Will it all be? It'll be, be in camera, and it'll be real, right? Like yeah. it'll, it'll have a real feeling. I mean, obviously, even that first sequence where Jason Statham is going through all those guys kind of reminded me a little bit of Old Boy. Yeah, and I, I think we're gonna get a ton of moments like that, and then just a ton of ridiculous, inventive ways of of kicking people's asses, right? Like with the, that scene with the rock where he grabs the guy out of the window of the car right. and slams him into the wall. It's just so <laughs> dumb. And like, and he's got the Chris Evans helicopter moment from fucking Avengers in there and stuff like that. But it's too, more believable right? with the rock. Let's just <laughs> yeah. be honest. Even though he's not super. Human, yeah. He doesn't need some super serum to yeah, do. He's the it's rock. It's just a fucking badass man. So, um, but I like them going into uh, Hawaii and the home thing, and and I think that bit's really funny with his family. And then yeah, seeing Roman Reigns in there is is awesome. And uh, uh, dude, I'm psyched, man. It's uh, this year is gonna be this year's crazy. It's, it's gonna be a good summer, I think. As yeah, well. like a like, fun summer, yeah. right? Like kicking off with Endgame next week. And I mean, we already had Captain Marvel, but even then, Captain Marvel felt slight compared to some of the gigantic things we have coming right Right. like we had star wars celebration next week which will end the year um but then you have uh i mean detective pikachu right after uh avengers and then it just keeps rolling right like with all the disney stuff uh, (laughs) with all the disney stuff and i mean in universal having um hobbs and shaw this year which i mean we all i think we always forget how much money the fast and furious movies make as well yeah And uh, there's so many movies this year that I think could cross. Like it'll a, be the one non-Disney um, film yeah, that makes all the money, and I guess I Detective mean. Pikachu is well. right. Like there, but all of these movies have the potential to make a billion dollars. I think, right? And like, I'm not or trying bomb to be, horribly. Yeah, I'm not trying to just inflation and sure. I'm not trying to be hyperbolic, but like when you see the things like Hobbs and Shaw or Detective Pikachu, that I'm like, or I think those movies that. Everyone's so focused on Disney right now and Marvel and Star Wars right. and, and Aladdin and Lion King and Frozen 2 and Toy Story 4 and, like, all that stuff. You you tend to forget that there are some other gigantic... Yeah, well, even uh, John Wick, right? Like John Wick, John it, Wick will, it too, you mentioned, yeah. too, right? Like, these are movies that made a good... Like, they continue to make a good amount of money. John Wick being that sleeper one that, like, it doesn't need to make, like, a billion dollars. But, like, it, it's they keep upping the ante as well. And Lionsgate, which... Uh, took off with the Hunger Games franchise, but have kind of... Uh, well, they really stopped. took off with the Saw movies, let's be honest. Sure, but, like, I mean, like, when they got into, like, blockbuster territory, right? Right. Like, billion, millions and millions and millions of dollars. And, like, I mean, the Saw movies did well for them, but they cost them 30 cents, and they made... Yeah made 50 million or 100 million right and it's it's the same kind of thing with paramount with, with you know the paranormal activity movies they cost like a cent and they yeah. made you know right. 10 times more than so they... those i don't really think of but those are just the easy the the easy hits right um 
I mean, as much as Jigs, I don't know if they'll come back after Jigsaw, but like Jigsaw too. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, man, it's it's uh, it's interesting because like I just think we've been so Disney heavy because of the merger and the streaming right. service and everything. And there's so. even potential for you know surprise. Like I think Brightburn, if it hits, it'll be that sleeper film of the summer. Yeah. I think it, it hits all those right things, right? Being a superhero movie and the horror element. And, yeah, and then uh, Rocket Man, I think, will do really well. I mean, if it if it makes you, even half of what Bohemian Rhapsody did, which now apparently has made over what nine hundred million dollars. Yeah. Fuck. Um, you know, like something like that is perfect counter programming, and especially for you know, like our parents' generation who grew up, you know, listening and watching Elton John, not to say that we didn't but you know like it, it means something more i think to a certain generation and that nostalgia will get people to go into the theater yeah totally so i think there are it's 2019 is i think it's like years that end with nine because 1999 was huge was 2009 huge or 2008 was huge 2008 was big because it had the dark knight and iron man when was, was avatar avatar was 2009 Right. Yeah. So it feels well, like Well, Bastards as well and Glorious Bastards was 2009 mm-hmm. and so was um District 9. Yeah. And Star Trek. Yeah, so I'm saying Even The Hangover years was 2009 that in terms in, of summer movies. Years that end in 9, man. Uh let's move on to Child's Play. So, uh newest trailer for Child's Play came out. We got our first uh look at Mark Hamill's voice or for listen I guess uh, <laughs> we got our to, first look at his uh, voice uh, at Mark Hamill's uh, Chucky but voice but we did get that creepy um, shot of the animatronic Chucky peering uh, in the dark in Andy's room and it does in it this? does look yeah yeah I like you yeah. reacted to oh, it I was like, like oh shit fuck that <laughs> um I I like I dug this trailer, man. I think I, I think it'll be fun. I like the angle um, of taking the um, the smart doll kind of thing, like technology. He's just a little like, too old for that. Yeah. he just looks he just looks like he's too old. For he it. should have been a little bit younger, yeah. right? Because like why? But then Alex the, Vincent was like the perfect age. The thing for that. with the tech angle, though, sometimes like uh, even though it is a doll, I think you could an older kid might be interested because it interacts with your smart. Like we bought the BB-8. But that was right. Star Wars thing, right? Right. Like, um, yeah, man. I, I don't. I don't disagree with you there. But I do dig this trailer. I like seeing Aubrey Plaza and Brian Tyree Henry in there, and um, it does look genuinely. I don't know if it'll be terrifying, but it looks like it'll be violent and. Uh, well, yeah, it looks like it is ramping up the violence more so than the original Tom Holland film from uh 1988 um also what's interesting we we were talking about it after the trailer is that are they going to have is is it just going to be an ai that becomes omnipresent or is it going to have that original storyline of charles lee ray um possessing this doll and then trying to possess andy you know and and that's how they kind of bring back uh in the original version the uh Chris Sarandon character uh Mike Norris who's played here by Brian Tyree Henry yeah and i mean i think it could go one of two ways i think it could be a misdirection that it's just technology like kind yeah, of yeah and then but but, but you could still use then, the like the technology has become omnipresent but it wants to become human so maybe it's like trying to, to upload itself into andy. into andy yeah that could be cool so like i don't know it looks like it'll be fun i i liked mark hamill's voice at the end even though we heard one line i mean he does um, sound basically like brad dorf yeah yeah so um i'm cool with that and uh i like chucky's look uh, i like how it's a practical effect for the most part i think um yeah 
Uh, well, they, they they were saying that it's like eighty percent animatronics. Yeah. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna give my uh, hot take here. Okay. Um, I think Child's Play could use a remake or a reboot. Like there's a lot of people that are diehard fans of uh, the original version and said like you know this is you you can't remake a classic. Child's Play is not a classic. It's we, fine. We watched for what it recently, it didn't we? At Mike's house. It, yeah, it's, it was a couple years ago. Oh god, um, <laughs> where does the time go? I know. It, it's fine. I like it. I don't like it as much as um, Holland's previous film or his first movie as a director, which was Fright Night, which also has been remade and which also starred Chris Sarandon. Um, but I do feel that like this can be improved upon. Yeah, and that, why not? You know, like so. Sorry, haters. <laughs> And it's a great concept that I feel like, and it the way that they're updating it makes sense, to right? Me. Yeah, like, I, it actually goes. Oh, okay, this you're not just doing the same thing. It's it's obviously going to be very similar, but using the AI and the smart home, smart toy kind of thing angle is, I think, actually really um, it works really well for the concept. So yeah, it's a clever way of bringing it back. So it'll be you know the ex machina of the slasher film right. genre. Yeah. All right, let's move on to uh, Dark Phoenix. So we got our final trailer, but first trailer since it got transferred over to Disney. And it's still a Marvel movie, that logo that comes up first. Not a Marvel Marvel Studios. Studios. And it's still 20th Century Fox. Yes. Um, So we still got that. And um, I think this is the best trailer so far for Dark Phoenix. But it's still also very choppy in terms of... You know, reaction shots, non sequiturs, and sort of connecting back and forth. It's all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, even the trailer itself is making kind of poking fun of it a little bit where it's saying like, oh, like, you know, Quicksilver mentions, oh, now we're going to space. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So they've reached the peak in this, you know, X-Men universe. Yeah, you got to, again, up the ante, right? So, and I, I, again, I do think that this franchise is Or they got to ump. The ante. Oh, Entitled Movie Podcast. You it, Go check out Eric's uh, Twitter, I think, right? Yeah. Uh, he posted a uh, Untitled Movie Podcast fan who got a custom license plate. Shout out to you, man. Uh, it's not. I think he no. just... Uh, he said, ump for life. I wonder yeah. what he meant by that. UMP for life. I like to think it's about us. Listeners, um, uh, chime in and uh, let you, us know. If that's you, <laughs> let us know. We'll send you something. Uh, an autographed uh, headshot of Eric and I. Um... Yeah, I, I mean, I I like the uh, this X-Men franchise for the most part. Uh, again... Well, the cast is great. The cast is great. I love McAvoy and Fassbender together, and uh, I think their chemistry really carries those movies. Um, I like the Quicksilver sequences. So there are things, I think, to like in that cast and that franchise. Are we ready for it to end? Yes. Yes, I um, think it peaked with Apocalypse. Um you mean it should have ended before? Yeah, yeah, then. yeah. Like, like, like well, like Days, Days of Future Past is the best. And it should have just think, ended there, though. Yeah, and I think with the Apocalypse storyline, like, it is an enticing storyline to go in. But I think because they did Days of Future Past previously, it's like, well, that – it's like you have these two climactic stories and you already told one. Like, why not save the Apocalypse one for the next reboot and have that right. as your sort of main one? And now they're also trying to – Do Dark Phoenix Dark again. Phoenix and then even, you know, rumors about, you know, Mr. Sinister. Or Mrs. Sinister. Mrs. Sinister, <laughs> depending if Jessica Chastain's playing that character. Even popping up in the, you know, whether or not New Mutants is ever going to happen. Which there's a rumor that that was also delayed again. I don't have that in um, the news, but 
there's a rumor that yeah. it's not. Which yeah. I'm not surprised. Yeah, so we'll see on. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I dug this trailer again. Like, if I get more Magneto, um, I think his sequences are the the best stuff in in these movies. And um, although it does look like it could go into X3 territory a little bit, um, that worries me. Um, right. Even though X3 isn't a terrible film, because I remember rewatching no, it yeah. not too long ago. It's just it's it's rushed, and it feels like again. They didn't focus on what was the most important part, and they killed off characters needlessly. So I do wonder if they're going to go in that direction. And it seems like they are. Yeah. So, um... And they're even making this weird, like, in terms of just watching those trailers, this weird, like, forced friendship between Mystique and Jean Grey that really wasn't there before. Yeah. And but I do like the uh, I love Nightcrawler and I like seeing. They're gonna say Nightquill. Um, uh, I do also love Nightquill. No, actually, I'm like weirdly allergic to like cold medication. I get like anxiety, which if you read this is a weird tangent, but if you read cold medicine, they're like, if you start feeling anxious, please stop taking this stuff immediately. So I don't take cold med- medication anymore. I just tough it out. Um, I like Nightcrawler and I like the Nightcrawler sequence in space of him rescuing the NASA mm-hmm. astronauts from what we've seen in the trailer. Um, so I don't know. I hope it's an okay send off to this um, cast. Right. And I just, I almost feel bad for Jessica Chastain in a weird way as well, because it's like anybody that's new that's introduced into the series, it's like, and this is the last one. It's like, well, what's the point? Right. Well, I think just leading into this, that's everyone's mindset on it, right? Right. Like when we talked about what movies are going to be the top grossing this year, we never even considered Dark Phoenix, right? But I'm sure it'll still do well, but. Yeah, but it's um, already being like. The tracking for it is they're saying it's going to be like one of the weakest X Men movies. Well, because I think everyone's just ready for yeah them to be in the MCU, which still looks like it won't be for another five plus years. Maybe who knows? Like people might be playing stupid, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I I I rewatched them recently because of the kind of funny in review series, and um, they don't the. Early ones don't hold up as well as you hope they would. They're but of they're the still, early 2000s. Yeah. And, and I still love First Class and Days of Future Past a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, really love First Class. Well, I love that they're both period pieces. And that's what I liked about this franchise. But then it just gets a little dicey when you jump 10 years every movie, but right. no one ages. I hope that they do have the X-Men 90s theme song in this one. Yeah. Because, I mean, at least that would be something. Because mm-hmm. that cartoon theme song is killer. Uh, yeah. I doubt they will, but I would yeah. love if that was like the opening kind of logo thing. But um, we'll definitely see. Or I hope they do that when they finally bring it to the MCU like they did with the Spider-Man theme right. in the opening kind of thing. I think that would be really cool. Um, yeah, but we'll see. I, I don't have high expectations. No, really. but it's almost, again, like we keep joking about it. It's like the it's an obligation than anything else and like we'll go see it because we've seen all the other ones i mean we've 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 seen the worst of an x-men movie with wolverine x-men origins right so and we've seen the best with logan yeah we've seen apocalypse is just kind of not great at all but um, very forgettable yeah um waste of oscar isaac (laughs) yeah just a waste you could have put anyone in that fucking ivan ooze looking motherfucker i'm like it could have been anyone why did you and need it's just a shame because that character is so important to the x-men universe and it just feels like again like completely wasted and they wanted to make him obviously like thanos but it just didn't work yeah all right um remember when last stand played at the Cannes film festival 
Great segue, Eric. It no did. Uh, let's get into the news. Uh, the Cannes Film Festival announced their, uh, I wouldn't say complete lineup, but uh, almost complete lineup uh, this week. Uh, we'll get into the details of why we're saying that. Um, so, yes, this uh, this past week um, they had a press conference uh, announcing we Terry already – Terry Fremo. Yeah, we already uh, knew that uh, Jim Jarmusch's The Dead Don't Die will be opening the festival. And it's also um, in competition as well. Which we weren't – People thought it wasn't going to yeah, be. Yeah, because sometimes like, the opening movie isn't. It's just like a, a flashy yeah. kind of movie. Uh, so let's get into uh, – just I'll start listing everything for you guys and we'll, we we shall discuss. So in competition, we have Pain and Glory by Pedro Almodovar. Pedro uh, Almodovar. Alamodovar, The Traitor by Marco uh, Bellocchio, uh, The Wild Goose Lake by Dio Yinan, uh, Parasite by Bong Joon-ho, uh, Young Ahmed from uh, the Dardenne Brothers, uh, Oh Mercy by Arnaud uh, Desplekin. <laughs> I'm butchering these names, I apologize. <laughs> um, Atlantique by Matty Diop, uh, Matthias and Maxime by Xavier Dolan, uh, Little Joe by Jessica Hausner, Sorry We Missed You by Ken Loach. Uh, Les Miserables by Lady... Uh, uh, not Lady. Uh, Laji Lee. Uh, A Hidden Life by Terrence Malick. Uh, Bakiro by... Oh my goodness. Uh, Kleber Men... Men... Mendonco Filo. <laughs> it's it's from the director uh, of uh, Neighboring Sounds. Thank you. And Giuliano uh, Dornelis. Uh, the, the Whistlers by <laughs> Cornelio... Uh, poor um, boy, you. Uh, Frankie. It sounds like you're just making up these names. <laughs> I'm sorry, we're not laughing at your names. I'm laughing at myself, not uh, pronunciation. Being able, yeah, yeah, pronouncing them. Uh, Frankie. Uh, by Ira Sachs. Um, Ira. Ira Sachs. <laughs> God, on, I can't even get that one. Uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire by Celine uh, Schiama. Uh, it must be Heaven by uh, Elia Suleiman and Sybil by Justine uh, Triet. Um, I probably butchered all of those and I apologize. So that's in competition. Um, I should have just listed the titles and, but I like to actually know who's directing these as well. Right. Um, in uncertain regard, uh, <laughs> invisible life by Kareem Anu, uh, Beanpole by fuck me, uh, <laughs> Katamir <laughs> Balagov. <laughs> Oh, man. The Swallows of Kabul by Zabu Breitman and Ilya Gobe Mavelik. Uh, A Brother's Life by Monia Chakri. Uh, the Climb by Michael Covino. Uh, Joan of Arc by Bruno Dumont. Uh, A Sun That Never Sets by Olivier Lax. Uh, Room 212 by Christophe Honor. Honor, I'm going to say. Honoré? Honor. It has a, um, a, an accent on the... An accent goo, is that what that is? I think so, yes. Um, Port Authority by Danielle Lesovitz. Papicha by Manua Madur. Uh, Adam by Miriam Tuzani. Uh, fuck, I'm, uh, I apologize <laughs> to everyone. Uh, Zhu Ren Mimi by Midi Z. Uh, Liberté by Albert Serra. Bull by Annie Silverstein. I got that one. <laughs> Summer of Changsha by Zhu Feng and Yves G. <laughs> by Neriman Aliyev. 
Fuck me. All right. Um, out of competition, we have The Best Years of Life by Claude Leluc. Uh, Rocket Man by Dexter Fletcher. Nailed it. Got him. Um, Too Old to Die Young. Two episodes by Nicholas Winding Refn. Uh, I think it's Nicholas Vending Refn. Oh, fuck me. I know. Uh, Diego Maradona by Asif uh, Kapadia. Director uh, of uh, the Amy doc. Right. And Bell Ipoke by Nicholas Bido. Uh, oh, my God. Uh, special screenings of Share by Pippa Bianco. Uh, that was at um, Sundance. Uh, and it was one of the A24 movies that was bought by uh, HBO. Okay, cool. Uh, For Sama by Wad L. Khatib and Edward Watts. Uh, Family Romance LLC by Werner Herzog. Or, sorry, Werner Herzog. Werner. Uh, Tommaso by Abel Ferrara. Uh, excuse me. Uh, to Be Alive and Know It by uh, Elaine uh, Cavalier. Um, and Ku Se Lei by Juan Solanas. Okay, and then we have a only one midnight screening, which is The Gangster, The Cop, and The Devil by Lee Wan Tay. Woo! You did it. Nailed it! Um, yeah. A I, for effort. I thank you. A for effort. I appreciate that. Uh, Eric, your thoughts? Uh, going through that list, I mean, there, there's a lot of conversation. If you can even understand what the fuck I announced. I know. I, it was You were speaking another language entirely, um, which is a universal language of film and... and what we all love. What is interesting to talk about, I think, um, is that, you know, for as much as what we know is on that list and what we know from filmmakers like the Bong Joon-Ho's and the Jim Jarmusch's. There's um, a lot not there as well. Exactly. And also, I think what I've come to enjoy in the last couple of years is just the discovery. Is, you know, when the festival's on, about hearing about what is going to be this year's burning. You know, a movie that we don't really know too much about or we don't uh, know to expect a masterpiece or, or a film that will be worth talking about. Even something like Tony Erdman, which, you know, we didn't love, but at the same time, I mean, it was a film that was discovered as the festival was going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So um, anything you're super looking forward Let's to Let's look here. Right? I'm going to take As a, I butchered that. Um, but. Pain and Glory is interesting because with Pedro Alamodovar, um, it's basically uh, Antonio Banderas playing a version of him and they've worked together many many times starting in the 1980s and the last film they worked together on was the skin i live in um and so it'll be interesting to see him play that role it's sony pictures classics it already has it so they're going to be releasing it sometime in the fall and they're going to probably try to do an awards push if it's a if it hits um I, obviously i've mentioned on the show before and even in our uh most anticipated films of 2019 parasite, parasite. we haven't talked um, about that trailer i really liked the trailer but i mean i didn't there wasn't any english subtitles so oh the one i saw did have oh okay because i didn't i didn't okay. have in the <laughs> subtitles on mine so i was just watching the imagery and being like okay this looks interesting and yeah. weird and like people obsessed with somebody that they maybe want to be and reaching yeah. on to them like a parasite um young ahmed i'm i'm curious about because i like the dardan brothers um although i didn't really like uh the unknown girl their last movie as much as some of their earlier works um the maddie d up movie is going to be interesting because this is 
um, a filmmaker who um, has previously been an actor. She was actually in Claire Denis' 35 Shots of Rum, and they've also been making a lot of news about it because she is the first... um, a black woman to be in the Cannes Film Festival lineup after 72 oh my God. odd years. And that was the other big talking point is that this year it's actually lower than it has been than like last year with the representation of female filmmakers. There's four this year. Yeah, right? and I think there was more last year. But they're all in competition, which yes. is the most that they've had in competition. So they tried to spin it in a way that like didn't sound bad (laughs) right um obviously the xavier dolan movie is interesting because he last time when he was at Cannes said that he would never come back uh when he had it's only the end of the world why Uh, did he say that again uh because of the reaction of the film even though he won an award for that for best director didn't he um no i think that was for mommy where he shared it with jean-luc godard yeah uh with goodbye to language but um he won like a the, some other prestigious award and if you you watch his uh, um acceptance speech you can see he like starts crying and then it cuts to mads mickelson and he gives this look of revolt where he's like <laughs> um so it'll be interesting to see him trying to maybe do a rebound after um don jeff donovan yeah the, the death and life of don f jonathan <laughs> so which literally came and went and it didn't same, even get a north american release at no all. i think it, it's getting a vod release now in in the u.s but like i mean when you have those stars in it and you nobody think someone would have paid yeah something for it right? even netflix um i'm excited about little joe because i liked uh jessica hausner's last movie which was a more faux um sorry we missed you will be interesting because ken loach previously won uh for uh i am daniel blake um terrence malick we have a hit or miss relationship with him yeah as a and he's going back to more of a narrative, narrative structure yeah. it's about the people that during world war ii that opposed the nazi regime specifically focusing on a farmer who's played by august deal who's best known for inglorious bastards in the tavern sequence um it also has matthias schoenhart's um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm curious about it, but yeah, the the thing that is scaring me a little bit is it's it's actually two minutes shorter than the Avengers Endgame. So it's, it's three, three hours, hours long. exactly. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me. But I'm sure as well that it might be re-edited before even playing we it get, can because yeah. Malik is obviously infamous for leaving it to the last minute with you know 30 different cuts i mean right. if you buy the criterion version of, of tree the, of life tree of life or the new world yeah. there's there's three or four different versions of it um frankie will be interesting because um ira Sachs, who's done a lot of new york centric films with love is strange and um more recently little men is doing a more international movie with isabel Huppert uh in the lead um i really liked uh selena skama's last movie which was girlhood quite a bit so that'll be interesting to see her do like a period piece movie um such as this and yeah so that's that's basically it and then obviously rocket man will be big as well so yeah it's their big flashy kind of movie and then to bring up the point that we were talking about before with what didn't show up so i guess the big one which they actually commented on that everyone thought was going to be 
announced was Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So um, they addressed it and said that they would like it to be in the lineup, but because of editing, they Tarantino's not ready yet. Or yeah, ready it's Tarantino's to, call. Like, and it's he's not ready to say that he can make it in time. So um, they're leaving the door open, but I've heard it both ways from people of uh, reading online of saying, like, it, it's probably not going to play, and some people saying, well... It, well, there was even like, rumors that, you know, instead that Sony would give them Greta Gerwig's Little Women, but I don't even think that is done either. Yeah. And, like, it would be a work-in-progress version mm-hmm. for either one of these movies at this point. And, yeah, like, he was able to get Bastards in Under the Wire, and it was still, like, he still tinkered with it a little bit after Can. Um, I just think it's one of those situations where... You know, the filmmaker wants to do it. Quentin Tarantino loves Ken. Obviously, it's the 25th anniversary of Pulp Fiction uh, this year. So they'll have something to do with that. But, you know, you want to show the movie almost done or at least to a point where you feel you can show it. And if Tarantino doesn't feel ready, then that's yeah. That. So where are you leaning? Do you think it gets in or no? Um, it'll be very last minute yeah. if it does. Um, I mean, Ken wants it. I mean, obviously, who wouldn't want... But we're less than a month DiCaprio away. DiCaprio right? and Pitt to walk the red carpet, the red carpet and, and, and what have you. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. We're less than a month. So, I mean, that's if they if he's not ready to say yes or no now. I would say got, no. I would got, be leaning more on it's not going to happen. Yeah. But you never know, right? Yeah. Like, he might be able to get in it done. In the next three weeks yeah. or something. And then, or in a place where he would Feels be okay comfortable enough to show it. this version of, of it. Like... I mean, they could even market it as this is the Cannes film version. Well, it's just like with Kill Bill, right? Like Kill Bill got re-edited, obviously, after the premiere to cut it from three and a half hours, right? right? Down to two different films. But um, And like you said, he's done that with Bastards and some other stuff where he's tinkered with it a little bit afterwards. So, I mean, but we're getting, I mean, we're getting closer to August. Um, Some of those were Christmas releases, right? Yeah, Um, like Little Women isn't supposed to come out until December. Yeah, and the other thing was, uh, I mean, you called this completely with Ad Astra. Like, it doesn't, like, I don't even think we're going to actually get that movie in May like we're supposed to. No, we're not. Oh, Uh, we haven't gotten any advertising for that film at all. Like, that is going to now be a A fall fall, movie at the earliest, a winter film, if it even comes out this year. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you on that, and you you you've been saying that since the beginning. But that was rumored for Cannes because it still to this date still has a May. Yeah, and well, and also the French love James Gray. Like they're big mm-hmm. fans of his. Yeah. His stuff. Did anything else that people thought were going to get announced? I'm sure like, there's there's a lot of stuff that we're not even thinking about. But I'm trying to off the top of my head, like what could be a good like fall festival film or something that might have been like, oh, this is. Was going to, or yeah. thought people thought were going to show up, but um, anyways. But I, I guess once upon a time was the the big one that they actually commented on. So, um, well, I mean, also mentioning that you know this is another year that no Netflix movie is going to be playing. But they even said during the press conference that like, oh, Netflix didn't have anything ready that they're saving everything for the fall, mm-hmm. um, which I don't know if is completely accurate or not, or if that's just them saving face for sure. Uh, all right, let's move on. So we got lots of news that will kind of... Oh, you know uh, what? The one movie was... Uh, some people were saying that um, Kelly Reichardt's first cow was going right. to play. Yeah. And there could be a few additions. Like, even Midnight only having one movie is interesting. Yeah. Like, usually they have a little bit more than that. They usually right? have two or three. Because, like, we thought one of the A24 horror movies were going to be there. Right? Yeah, like With, Midsummer Or... or uh, 
I'm blanking on. There's something else. There's only one horror film that they have coming up. No, there's two, I think. Or maybe it was a different company. Maybe it was a different... I don't know. Whatever. Well, they have the lighthouse. The lighthouse was that's, it. That's that, yes. That, that, those were the it, two. Yes. Um, uh, so those were the two that were rumored, and then they it, neither got announced. So. No. But again, I think the the lighthouse is one of those movies that they're just going to wait for the fall. Yeah, I don't doubt it. Um, all right, let's move into other news. So we'll quickly run through uh, things. So uh, Jennifer Lawrence, after taking a year off, uh, has her next film. So she's lined up uh, with A24. Dark Phoenix. Um, <laughs> I guess, yeah. But that was shot a while ago. Yeah, and so was Red Sparrow. But it's yeah. like, it's weird because it's like they took a year off and it's like, we didn't even really notice because, because they still she had saw movies, movies coming, coming out. out. Yeah. yeah. So... Um, Jennifer Lawrence is set to star in an untitled uh, new film from A24 uh, from uh, a theater director named Lila uh, Neusbauer, um, who will make her feature uh, uh, directing debut with this movie. So it's a um, a war movie, right? Yeah. Um, uh, written by Elizabeth Sanders. Or, uh, it, or so we think, because this yes. news comes from Collider and it's, it's somewhat... Um, speculative, like it's not confirmed 100%. But yeah. it does well, sound... It sounds like it says the new film will find Jennifer Lawrence playing a U.S. soldier who suffers a traumatic brain injury in Afghanistan and struggles to recover uh, back at home. Um, Scott Rudin's producing, um, and it also seems like uh, Brian Tyree Henry will also be in the film uh, with her. So, um, interesting. I, I mean, I like Jennifer Lawrence. I, uh, I like Brian Tyree Henry a lot. Um, I have faith in a24 finding i like that they find kind of interesting people who want to uh i mean making their feature debut is, right. is kind of really cool they'll support so. you up until you make a movie like under the silver <laughs> yeah. lake and then they'll just dump your you. ass yeah well, thankfully it wasn't a direct tv movie but, yeah um so yeah uh, that not too much else to say there but um yeah so. i mean it's early days i'm sure that'll you know be a fall film in the next year or two uh, another Collider exclusive. Um, Burning Star Jean Jong Sio uh, is in talks to join Kate Hudson in Annie Lil- Anna Lily Amapur's uh, Blood Moon. Um, so if you guys saw Burning, she is the uh, young woman who stars uh, in, in the film. Who goes missing. Yeah. And her cat also uh, may or may not exist. Yes. Uh, and then if you guys aren't clear uh, about uh, Blood Moon, I think... Uh, Zach Efron was attached at one point, but now they're unsure if he's still in the film. Right. It sounds um, to me almost like it's a little bit like um, Midnight Special. Yeah. So Blood Moon follows a, a – I'm reading from the Collider article from uh, Jeff Snyder. Uh, Blood Moon follows a girl uh, with strange and dangerous abilities who escapes from a mental asylum and rejoins uh, the chaos of modern civilization on the hedonistic streets of New Orleans. It sounds really cool. Uh, and it's inspired by fantasy adventure movies of the 80s and 90s. Um, I, I hope if Zac uh, Efron is in the movie, he's just playing his character from the beach bum. Uh, yeah. And this sounds awesome, though. Like, inspired by fantasy adventure movies of the 80s and 90s. And it's uh, rumored to pair strange, violent, and humorous sequences with a range of music from heavy metal to Italian techno. God right. bless Anna Lily Amapur. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think we were two of the only people that really kind of had fun with The Bad Batch. Yeah. Um, but I kind of dug that movie. So did so. I. And I'm excited to watch her Twilight Zone episode, which just aired on Thursday. With, with Steven, Steven Yoon with from Steven Burning. Yeah. She's just going through all the Burning cast. That might be. She might have been referred that way. But um, 
I'm excited to see her episode. I haven't read reviews on it yet. If it was any good, have you? I haven't either. Yeah, no. but I'm ex- with I'll, Greg Kinnear as well, right? Oh yeah. So yeah. I'm excited to check that out um, this weekend. I'm excited for this. I like her. So she's. Uh, I do too. And 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 yeah. I mean, I just like the '80s, '90s nostalgia, and I'm sure she'll vibe, yeah. do something very weird with it. I, yeah. Again, like I know a lot of people didn't like uh, the Bat Batch, but I yeah, I kind of had fun with that. Movie. Yeah, Jason Momoa as Miami Man. <laughs> he was dope, man. Um. Deadline reports that uh, Clint Eastwood um, is going to uh, be directing The Ballad of Richard Jewell, um, which has been in development for years. Yeah, this was something that he was originally attached to and that was going to start Jonah Hill and possibly Leonardo DiCaprio um, when it was at Warner Brothers. And then um, all three of them left at some period of time and... Um, the director of the OJ uh, documentary was going to take over. And now apparently he's gone, gone back to Clint Eastwood. What's kind of interesting about this story is that, I mean, Eastwood now is in his late 80s. And um, with any film that he directs, um, a studio has to put out this insurance to have a uh, second unit director shadow him for insurance purposes because you're at a certain age yeah um the the same thing happened with uh, robert altman for a a long time prairie companion which paul thomas anderson was the shadow director working with him on that because if he passed away away yeah got sick during the production you need somebody to finish the film um so it's interesting maybe who uh, i wonder who will you know be working with eastwood it'll still be an eastwood movie but um i honestly thought the mule would be it yeah as a send-off with him acting in it as well yeah Um, yeah i'm yeah i thought so too but the man doesn't want to slow down man so good for him so it seems like hill and dicaprio are still producing it but it doesn't look like they'll be in it um yeah so um I'll be curious. I mean, I yeah, we're bless him. It's man. an interesting story as well. It's about a guy who um, in Atlanta was um, a security guard and then was considered a hero at first, and then Richard Jewell, and then uh, the media kind of turned on him, or he became a suspect in this terrorist uh, okay. potential terrorist attack. Um, and then he died really young too, because he never really recovered from it, even though like he wanted to become a police officer. And I think he was like 47 when he had a heart attack and died. Oh, wow. Um, another deadline exclusive, uh, John Curran is, um, going to be directing a movie called Turk, which is a biopic based on, uh, 1970s Boston Bruins hockey star, Derek Sanderson. So we wanted to bring this up, which tied into, the NHL playoffs that are going on right now that I'm watching a big series between the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Boston Bruins right now. Um, curious. I, I don't know much about Derek Sanderson. I know, I, nothing. I, I know my dad probably knows more about him than, Sweet than mustache, I do, though, with the photo. Uh, he has a beautiful mustache. That's correct. I, I just don't know who is clamoring for this. Right. Or... I mean, it does sound like, you know, your, your typical uh, inspirational story of, of redemption and those do sell and they're kind of feel good stories. Right? But it's interesting, like they mentioned Bobby Orr in this and things like that of right. like just choosing. I don't know much about Derek Sanderson's story, so maybe um, it seems like he had an, a, a very interesting career and he was involved in with some drug addiction and alcohol. Uh, alcohol issues and things like that homelessness and, yeah. yeah so um i i'm sure it'll be a, a 
a very interesting story. I just don't know much about it, which is actually probably um, a good thing from, I guess, a viewer perspective. Um, but uh, Chappaquiddick uh, is, it was John Curran's last film. Yeah, he also directed um, The Painted Veil, the remake with uh, Edward Norton and Naomi Watts. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I love hockey movies. I mean, I'm a huge hockey fan. I mean, even like uh, uh, cheesy stuff like Miracle. And, you love and the like, guru. Um, the love lo- guru. No, I, that's a... <laughs> Oh no! Don't even get me on Love Guru. That should be a movie. We should have done that as like a, a review during the NHL playoffs, or if the Leafs knock on wood go any further, um, we should revisit the Love Guru. It's just so upsetting being a Leafs fan and then that thing, uh, and probably very problematic now. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, probably was problematic at the time, but we just didn't, no one cared back then. Right. Not that we didn't care personally, but like no one paid attention to that stuff. But now, probably incredibly problematic. Yes. Oh, man. Um, moving on. What do we got next? We got lots of news, lots of news. Um, Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-booey. Can lineup. I already had twice. I guess I did have that. Uh, we have one of our first kind of victims of the disney fox merger so uh disney r.i.p mouse guard disney pulled the plug on mouse guard just days before the production started um that sucks for everyone involved in this yeah like, a lot of people now having to look for work at the last minute and you know like i mean all that work you did pre-production you think you're about to start shooting it and i know they're uh, trying to shop it around other places are like they Netflix, yeah so but it, the it, hollywood reporter put out this report that um uh, sorry i'll just go through this oh, and yeah, we'll yeah, go yeah, into yeah, it. Yeah. um disney uh shut it down but are going to allow matt reeves and the other producers to kind of shop the pro uh the project elsewhere which i have a good feeling that this probably will Go end up somewhere. Well, if it's uh, ready to go, it's basically like a turnkey production. Like right? basically, you just need someone to commit to the budget, right? Yeah, which that, is 147 million. Estimated. But Disney would have paid for a lot of the pre-pro already, maybe. Right. So I don't know how that deal would go. I mean, you'd still probably have to buy the rights to Disney, unless Disney's just going. We want to cancel it. You guys can take it anywhere, and it doesn't involve us anymore. Right. Um, but. Yeah, man. I mean, it was going to be directed by Wes Ball, and is uh, Andy Serkis is obviously involved, and because um, it's motion capture. Yeah, and Thomas Brody Sangster on Game of Thrones. Who does? Who is that on Game of Thrones? Oh, uh, I I know him from. Um, I'll Google him right now. Uh, Nowhere Boy, specifically, he played uh, George Harrison in that. Um, um, and about a boy. Uh, yeah, about a boy. I believe it. No, it, not about a boy. Was it? Yeah, and it was written by Gary Whitta. Um, uh, who I like a lot. And, and Idris um, Elba was supposed to be in it. He wanted to, you know, complete his playing a cat and a mouse within a year. Okay. <laughs> Fair. With cats and mouse Oh, guard. God, cats. Yeah. Um, oh, this guy. He was also in Maze Runner, yeah. right? So that's yeah. why. Yeah. Okay. Um, we were looking up Thomas uh, Brody Sangster. Um, yeah. I mean, I wasn't super – like, Mouse Guard doesn't really – do anything for me i don't know but i mean you never know it could have could have been one of those like weird surprises where it works and it does sound pretty dark for a storyline like it's not mouse dark but um it could have been a you know secret of nim for a new generation um and i just feel bad for everybody working on it like yeah just to be that close to going into production and then 
having that kind of pulled and yeah maybe it won't affect people like Idris Elba but there's a lot of actors and a lot of crew uh, above and below the line that you know now are are having to either wait to see if another studio picks it up which is taking time away from them going to you know search for other jobs or then ultimately having this be scrapped or put on the back burner and then going to look for something in the summer where a lot of the jobs now have already been taken or you know things are in production right i mean i'm sure there's like the contracts in place like they'll probably well, they'll make like, the money but i mean you know, i'm sure like you know you want to work and you want to have stuff to show for it right and put on your demo reel yeah. and you know be able to get the next job because even though you get paid for it that doesn't necessarily mean you have anything to show for it. yeah totally um we got more uh marvel news it seems like every week we got one piece of casting or something um so the eternals we know that uh angelina jolie and uh kumail nanjiani um have joined the eternals and we have a another addition so um uh train to busan star madong siok <laughs> ma dong siok why are you laughing matt um uh, sorry i just i'm not laughing at people's names i swear i don't want to you're seem, laughing at your pronunciation I, yeah i don't want to seem insensitive i am just awful at this and i apologize i'm worse um, so it's all good uh yeah you you <laughs> yeah i mean whatever um people get it uh so this is the chloe zhao movie that um isn't hasn't been officially announced yet <laughs> but we i'm sure we'll get these phase four announcements soon right. um yeah i didn't see train to busan did you yeah i did it's did, fine yeah it's a it's a solid zombie movie that kind of came out after um world war z and kind of has that vibe a little bit with um snow piercer where like this group of people are fighting off zombies that um need the light to see them and they have to go through like the dark past them to to kind of get through and um it was kind of it was a big hit at the time but it's it's fine cool. I, I didn't love it but i didn't hate it either yeah i don't i don't know this guy very well but um what i do like about this what seems like this eternal cast will be um very eclectic and international and, and international and multicultural and yeah. i think that'll be really really cool yeah so well intergalactic um, man hell yeah dog i'm excited phase four baby um Alex Ross Perry is doing a Stephen King adaptation. Yes, of Rest Stop. Yes. Do you know much about Rest Stop? I don't. I just thought it was interesting that, you know, after, um, well, you know, as we're talking, um, Her Smell has been released in theaters. I think it's still playing at the Lightbox. Um, And he has been very uh, candid about uh, being uncompromising with his vision, but also how, you know, distributors were turned off by that as well because he had a hard time getting her smell sold um and now he's making this movie that is uh studio based so i'm wondering if he's going to be with legendary yeah so with universal Universal. so i wonder i thought they went back to warner brothers Maybe they did. Yeah, I think they did. They keep jumping back and forth. Yeah, I think they, they were originally with Warner Brothers when they were doing something. And then like it didn't Pacific work Ram out with and... Universal. I don't think. Yeah. So they went back to Warner Brothers. <sighs> Make up your mind, legendary. Come on. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm just curious because also like I just like seeing someone like him enter the mainstream, and I know that he was a co-writer on Christopher Robin, so that was kind of interesting last year as well. And he was writing that at around the same time that he was making her smell. So. I wonder how he'll adapt to uh, Stephen King. And, and obviously right now Stephen King is kind of on a bit of a resurgence. Yeah. I mean, after it, 
um or even before that was there no it yeah. it was kind of the, the and then we one. have the shining sequel this year yeah and, castle rock as yeah, well like yeah. pet cemetery yeah i think that i mean he has so much that you can take well from, he's one right? of the most prolific writers yeah. out there right yeah i mean i'm not a huge alex ross perry fan but um he's an acquired taste yeah i like stephen king and um i'm I'm curious. I mean, I I don't di- I don't hate the guy. I just yeah, I think he's he's hit or miss for me. And right. And and I think also what I admire about him most is that like again, like he's making the movie that he wants. And to I make. I can appreciate that. Yeah. yeah, and he doesn't he goes fuck you like this is what I want to make and if you don't want to make it then sorry, I don't want to work with you, which I can appreciate. Yeah. I can too. I didn't like her smell though. <laughs> right. Um but I heard the second half is better than the first half yeah it's 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 one of those films like if you if you stick it out um the payoff i think is very satisfying and emotionally uh gripping um next piece of news uh more in the comic book world and uh never ends our boy John Cena might be joining Suicide Squad 2 i can't pull up the story it's not working it makes perfect sense um yeah I love it. Or The Suicide Squad. Will James Gunn still direct it? Who knows? Who knows? But John Cena and Jai Courtney in the same movie? Are you kidding me? It's going to be <laughs> It's going to be an acting class, man. <laughs> oh boy. I can't wait. If those oh, two God. get to share a scene and and say dumb shit to each other. Oh man. I love John Cena. Um I don't think he's a great actor uh, at all. Unless he's um, playing his uh, thug character uh, the doctor of thugonomics yeah um <laughs> which is his role in suicide Squad. i mean he's great in wwe he fits that and he but like when he's you love his hair uh oh my god it's so uncomfortable i don't like it at all like he's got he like dyed it brown and like or maybe that's his natural color i don't know but i don't think it is it looks too wet it's and it's just and him he's always had that very crew cut like shaved marine sides look. like marine look in the wwe so now that he's grown his hair out and it's like brown and long on the sides and like not long but like long comparatively to what it was before um it just makes me uncomfortable and i think uh, wwe fans will get that i think that was like the big topic when he returned recently and like at wrestlemania he had the hat on so you right. couldn't really see it and everyone's just keep that hat on because <laughs> it makes all of us very uncomfortable and then i just can't i like him in his comedic roles and I, i'm sure this will be com- train wreck I, I, i'm sure this will be comedic too like a action comedy but um uh I do not like him in like even Bumblebee where he's trying to be somewhat menacing. I'm just like I can't I can't take him seriously and right. I don't think his line delivery is good at all. Like it's just it's very bad. Like it's very forced. Like you can Well, he always feels like he's a representative of something. And like, he well yeah, he's a he's a corporate man. Yeah, but like, and that's what it feels like even in his acting. Yeah, like he's just I'll do whatever you need, man. Like I and don't get me wrong. I I, I I in the workplace I'm a a, a yes man as well and I want to help you out, but um, he is one of those guys who's just like, whatever you need, tell me what to do. But, um, it's a problem that I've had with like Chris Pratt recently too, which I think Chris Pratt's a better actor than John Cena, but, um, I feel like they work well in comedy, like where they're comfortable and, um, not saying that John Cena is a hilarious comedian or anything, but when it just seems like 
they're trying so hard and I can right. appreciate the effort, but well, every John line Cena wants to be the rock. And I don't know if that's, gonna... I don't think he has the, I, I think his, his charisma works in WWE and he's a hard worker and a corporate man. Yeah. Like, um, but I don't think he has the charisma of the rock and even the rock can be hit or miss. found but... the kind of, you know, the qualities that like the strengths that Dave Batista plays to, right. You know, like being very literal and, 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 and I mean, like you can, you can make a movie around John Cena. I mean, obviously they have with both the Marine and 12 rounds and, and make a kind of fun, stupid action movie. But, um, yeah, when it comes to like a leading man, you know, holding a whole movie as on his own based on his acting ability, I would question that. Mm-hmm. But an ensemble like this in Suicide Squad, when you have someone it like Idris Elba and, and Jai Courtney. <laughs> <laughs> can't even give a straight face. I just want it so bad, man. I just want Jai Courtney and John Cena. Maybe a spinoff of them. I hope Their he plays, own Hobbs and Shaw. I hope he plays Polka Dot Man or something dumb like that. I think he's playing like, like some sort of military guy. Yeah, I, which surprise, doesn't make any surprise. sense. Yeah. But like, um, I don't know, man. I'm uh, blessed John Cena. Um, he's not a great actor, though. Um, actually, speaking of Bumblebee, I don't know. I didn't even plan these to be beside each other. Uh, Travis Knight is going to uh, team up with Mark Wahlberg for a six billion dollar man uh, because inf- inflation. <laughs> right. Um, I'm surprised this is still. They've been trying to make this for a few years now. Yeah, like I think um, the guy who directed Wild Tales was supposed to originally direct it, but he fell out. Due to creative differences. Yeah. And it's interesting. This is what he jumped on to after Bumblebee. And I mean, he made a, a decent trans Transformers movie. Um, yeah. He made the best Transformers yeah, live action. Yeah. And um, I don't know if I care about $6 billion man. Um, but I do. I mean, I feel Steve the same Austin. way about. Psh, yeah. We can build him. We can make him better. But I, I mean, I felt the same way with. Uh, Transformers. Yeah, especially sure. with the Bumblebee. Yeah. And, and look how, you know, he made that work I he's mean, a good storyteller chili yeah. tea you know don't don't bet yeah, against chili we, tea yeah we were talking before the podcast and eric brought up that travis knight used to be a rapper um, oh yeah so i did not know that i gotta and, watch i gotta see if some of his yeah we'll, we'll look there. it up after this and try and figure it out but uh yeah i mean the man founded Leica. they have a, a good track record and he's continued that with with bumblebee which i think is a solid fun throwback right kinda. and i feel with this uh, with six billion dollar man and Bumblebee, like it's him finally making his own way because, like Leica is very much a you know studio effort and there's a lot of people putting together you know one movie every three or four years and and you know this is like well I can take more credit for making this work or making yeah. this movie something than you know creating expectations for yeah so um as much as I don't care i mean good for him and i'll i'm sure we'll see it and i'll wait to hear more from it um what's mark Wahlberg been up to lately he's got a um oh good question no he's got a peter berg movie that's coming out on netflix right and there's something else that he was announced to do oh uh the joe bell uh biopic with uh connie Britton, right um, which they've been working on for a while um, some Bond 25 news. Uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge has been brought in to polish the Bond 25 script. So, um, there's been a couple drafts of this script. Obviously, we had the, um, Danny Boyle version, which got thrown out. Um, but then after Carrie Fukunaga came in, uh, 
the our classic uh well the guys who have been handling the bond franchise for the last couple of years um uh is it robert wade and neil purvis, purvis yeah yeah um uh took on uh yeah neil purvis and robert wade uh uh rewrote the uh the or, or original screenplay by neil purvis and robert wade and then fukunaga came in and tweaked it yeah for him Yes. Correct. And then now after reading the script. So James getting, Bond is now a goldfish. Uh, yeah. That's a reference to the original version of it where yeah. uh, Stan Uris was supposed to be a goldfish. Cool. Cool. Um, bless Carrie Fukunaga. I'm very curious of how this is going to turn out. So um, Craig read the script. They're about to start production pretty soon, right? Or some people are saying they already have. Like they're already, you know, shooting some exterior stuff. Oh, yeah. And then um, he wanted to bring in Phoebe Waller-Bridge to just touch up the script to bring some comedy to it, correct? Right. That's the rumor? Some maybe dark comedy, though, because you look at like the stuff that she's doing with both right. Fleabag and Killing Eve, there's a kind of macabre sense to it. So I don't think it's going to be funny like Roger Moore style bond but maybe it'll have a kind of like a just insert some fun but like some twist, self-deprecation fun in there, yeah yeah, yeah. I, I mean i'm down i like her um i yeah. i like fukunaga a lot so i'm hoping this i, I mean and i love james bond so uh i was kind of disappointed with specter um, and i think that's maybe why like they're being very like they're taking their time with this because this is also going to be daniel craig's send-off officially so they I, I mean i think craig wants this to be the best it possibly can and you know this is him making that decision to bring her in right so. yeah we didn't mention that and he knows her through um i forget i i thought i read but like he he or someone suggested that uh they br- bring her in so yeah man i i hope this turns out well like i wanted with christoph waltz being the villain inspector i just wanted that to be great so right bad. it was perfect then, casting especially uh, for blofeld like you think like, yeah that would be great i would love to go back out. and rewatch it with like lowered expectations now like in a rewatch i think before this comes out i'll obviously watch all the daniel craig bond movies which are available on 4k and on on itunes um i would love to watch skyfall in 4k i just right. I, I can't wait to see that again but I, I think part of it as well is that it, it was the film that followed up skyfall yeah so like the expectations were so high going into this one that it'd be just as good and sam mendez returning again and that's what worries me about I mean, similar franchises, but the follow-up to Fallout as well, Mission Impossible Fallout. Well, not like just I'm, the follow-up, but doing two back-to-back. Yeah. Right? So, like, how you got to keep upping the ante. and How do you uh, do that now yeah. at this point? Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't... Like, you're going to kill Tom Cruise before yeah. the end of it. That'll be the finale, yeah. So, um, excited for Bond 25. I hope it all works out, because with Kerry Fukunaga, you just never know. And, like, uh, not saying that he's... Uh, hard to work with or anything but i mean he he's another one of those guys that sticks to his guns and his vision and uh will leave something due to creative differences if you don't want to kind of yeah and also just i mean look at what's been going on with bond 25 i mean with danny boyle leaving with so many other directors being rumored for the longest time uh from you know denny villeneuve and and it's just like you know that like you can tell that this one i mean seems like daniel craig has a lot of control on it yeah and i yeah i mean power to him it's his last one and he wants to go out correctly um so we'll see man and then finally our last piece of news uh michelle yo yo 
uh, fuck, I'm really bad today. And the thing is, a lot of these people that I am reading, I do know how to pronounce their names. It's just I fucked up everything else. Well, in it's this just because you're focused on it, right? Uh, you're that thinking I'm like about pronunciating it. too much. It happens to me um, all the time when I'm recording my voiceovers for uh, your reviews for my reviews because I know the name. I've said it a hundred times, but, it's but just you're trying to pronunciate properly. Yeah, I'm like yeah. So uh, she's joining uh, Pandora and Avatar. Um, we don't know much about these movies. Um, we're going to get four of them in fucking how many years? In the next four uh, years. Yeah. Are we getting one a year? I think so. Because it will be starting next year. Or right? is it going to be every other year? I thought they're taking a little bit of a break. Oh, Anyways, God, I hope so. We'll figure it out. Although it'll um, be, I, I kind of actually wish that they would just inundate us with them. So we'd be done with them. Like just release all four at once. And make the people decide if they want to see them. Right. A month apart. <laughs> or every uh, or a day. Every two months we'll get a new Avatar movie. So these are now Disney movies. Um, they'll have a... I wonder what that, that's going to mean for Star Wars too. Because Avatar's got that December spot right, right. now. Well, if, if it is every other year, then they can alternate between Star Wars and Avatar. Yeah, right? or Star Wars goes back to May. But they weren't happy with how Solo performed in right. May. Even but though Solo, Solo was a spinoff thing. So maybe if they you know, for the Ryan Johnson series established that this is like the new sort of main series. We can keep that in May and then do Avatar, Avatar or something and, else. Yeah. In December. But if they alternate between every other year, then I don't see that would be a problem. Otherwise. Right. Right. Cause they'll have a sci-fi based movie for the fall. Yeah. I mean, look, look at what happened with them with Mary Poppins, right? Like instead, like that's, right. you know, Aquaman becomes the star Wars movie. Yeah. Uh, Again, we, we talk about Avatar more than I thought we would lately, but like, we we're, I'm just I'm so curious on how it's going to perform and if people will care. And I'm sure it'll do well, but like, how well right. will it and, do? And, and will the first one do well just because it's like a curiosity for like, oh, a sequel, James Cameron's directing it, it's been a while, I'll watch it. But say if that one does okay or... or, or, or is enough like everybody gets their fill from the sequel but will it start three to... and four and five it's yeah like how much are we going to dwindle but by the time we get to five yeah and then i'm curious to see what disney does promoting the first avatar it's been it'll be 10 years or 11 years right it's yeah 10 years this year yeah they'll right? probably do something in in the fall or winter like maybe if it gets a re-release or yeah. i mean it'll be up it'll be on disney plus obviously and, and and probably very prominent on there um but i think you do something theatrically to kind of get it back and i think the marketing push on on avatar is going to be gigantic next year just because I think you'll get your first trailer with Star Wars this year. Yeah. And um, I think you have to. And then I think all of next year we're going to be hammered with Avatar stuff because I feel like Disney will actually have to work to get people to care about it. Because right. I don't know if we don't have a gimmick with this one because I feel like the first one was very much sold on the prospect of 3D is brand new and it's it's mind-blowing in Avatar. Um, and you have to go see it in 3D, and then that was partly why people went to go see it. And, I mean, people loved Titanic, and James Cameron has... Well, and this... he hadn't directed a, a scripted film since Titanic, Titanic because Avatar was the first film of his to come back to narrative features. Yeah, right? and so I think that played into it, and he is one of those names that most people know, even if you're not a big film person. Right, and, and like... especially, you know, with the fanboy... 
uh, group as well. Like, you know, people will see his movies just based on... Aliens and yeah. Terminator. Yeah. And like, so... And he'll be in the press this year with... Because he's producing Dark Dark Fate. Terminator Dark Fate. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a great Terminator movie. Okay, man. <laughs> in his Hawaiian shirt. Yeah. And then you just um, see in the background, I was like... Like a money bag being held. It's yeah. like, can I, can I take or a that gun. Now? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. There are I, videos of him really praising Terminator Genesis. If you guys didn't understand what we're, yeah. we're talking about, yeah. And so every time he talks about how great the next Terminator movie is going to be, we're like, is it? This though? is the first Terminator sequel since T2 that I can really get behind and i feel that the film and the filmmaking is just right on par and then you rewind to terminator Check, 3 please. yeah and then they're like wait remember that footage of you saying how terminator 3 was going to be no i think terminator 3 was the one that he he did. actually said he just but he gave arnold schwarzenegger the blessing to make the movie yeah. but the one that he didn't get the one that he got behind was genesis genesis yeah because it was back to the because it was doing the time travel thing mm-hmm. and it was just basically treading on his territory right so yeah. they needed to pay him a <laughs> few million dollars to say like go see the movie and i'm okay with and was it. he an exec producer on yeah, it? yeah which means nothing nothing yeah and then this one he's legit producing yeah dark dark fate yeah um it's not a great title either no it's not but uh i'm, I'm fascinated with avatar because i back in my um film school and college days where I was a little bit more opinionated and more of an asshole, right? And then, like, as a young man is, uh, or some are. And you were just a um, huge Dances with Wolves fan. Oh, you know it, bud. And then um, I shit on Avatar a lot. and But I think I, I, I just didn't understand the love for it in the sense where I thought people were just hopping on a fad and, and things like that. And I think it's proven that they do. there's those joke bits of, like, going to random people and being like name one character from avatar we can uh, we can sure Jake Sully. yeah but i don't think i could name three no um definitely not it just ends I, there can i name Jake two Sully and unattainium uh, unobtainium yeah that's not even a character it's just a right. dumb fucking thing that's plot device the MacGuffin. Yeah. um it's just uh, yeah Do you i think it's attainable well it was wasn't it did they obtain it in the movie? Well, that's what they wanted, but yeah. it was unattainable. Yeah, sure. Unattainable. Did they obtain it? I don't know. Um, I forget. I've I don't w- think so because I- the whole point is that you have like a major conglomeration coming into um, you know, the forest and taking natural resources that don't belong to them and you know, um the indigenous population fighting back. Yeah. I don't know, man. I've gone back and rewatched it and I don't hate it. I think it's fine and again we've talked about this before like if anybody can do a sequel it's james cameron so i'll give him the benefit of the doubt and we're curious about the the underwater stuff yeah how that's going to look and then and kate winslet's in it as well so there's a titanic reunion there you just need dicaprio back i I kind of wish he would get schwarzenegger though to do something yeah man I would love that. Just bring back uh, greatest hits. If you're doing four of these fucking things, start bringing back greatest hits from your other movies. Yeah. Like, just although make it's them... depressing because it's like you can't get Bill Paxton. So yeah, I know that sucks. Um, uh, I'm curious if that they'll if there will be a gimmick. If anyone can convince theaters to get a new gimmick, it's Disney too. So right, Disney and James um, Cameron. Yeah. So if if he does the glasses list 3D, I just don't know if you can implement that in a year. Um, I think I'm more interested, though, in a sequel to Battle Angel. I am, yeah. And that was more of a James Cameron movie than a Robert Rodriguez movie. Yeah. 
Um, it almost felt like he ghost directed that. Um, to, in my I wouldn't opinion. be surprised if he did. Uh, in my opinion, it felt like that. And I liked Alita quite a bit, but it did have all those James Cameron elements of like yeah. really bad dialogue. And, and I just, I just um, want to get that actor who plays the villain at the end to the be sequel. the main villain. Yeah. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. I don't know when we can actually talk about that, but maybe when it's out on give people yeah a chance or to when he has on. his movie coming out in later this year we can maybe mention it <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah perfect um we'll see avatar 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 uh all right that wraps up this episode of the untitled movie podcast um it's a big week coming up next week um this is our regular episode. We're trying to figure out when we want episodes to drop now, depending on when we record. Because if we end up recording on weekends, it might be good for them to go out early in the week. Or if we record on a weekday, it might be later in the week. So let us know what you guys like. And if you guys are listening and you want to shoot Eric and I a message, either DM us or shoot us a message on Twitter or whatever. But um, if you guys like them early in the week or later in the week, but we're trying to figure it out, but you'll get a new episode once a week, I think moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be, we'll still be doing it uh, consistently, regularly, you know, eating our fiber, making sure everything is is good. Um, I know you really need to <laughs> shut up. <laughs> yeah, we'll wrap up. Um, but check back uh, Tuesday, six p.m. Tuesday the twenty third. It'll be a really cool thing. Um, I'm very excited for I'm next gonna week. Spoil it. It's our Alita Battle Angel reveal. <laughs> yeah, of spoiler guess. Yeah, who the villain is in Alita Battle Angel uh, two. Um, I'm very, I do want to rewatch that movie. Again. I do. I can't wait for the 4K. I think, yeah, I think it'll it's be gorgeous. June. Yeah, I I think it'll. It's a. If you haven't seen Alita, just go give it a shot. I mean, or I think it's not playing anymore. But no, like, it's wait, not. wait till the you 4K. It's not also playing anymore. That completely gone now from theaters, at least in in Toronto and in Durham, is uh, the Beach Bum. Yeah, came and went. You think 420? You'd want to? Yeah, you want? Yeah, special like, screening. But I, I, yeah, it's a very acquired taste. Um. I can see why it kind of bombed and then got taken out of. Yeah, I, I think being a also getting a wide release kind of hurt it as well. Like if it was one of those platform releases where it's like plays in a few theaters, I think it would have st- stuck around. A I little thought it could have even been cool. You just do a small limited release and then maybe you drop it on VOD on 420. Right, like that could have been fun. Right, like if you knew it wasn't going to perform super well in theaters, like do a New York, LA, Toronto. You know, or even... But it's a theatrical experience, man. I mean, I, I'm with you. I loved seeing it. It's one of our favorite movies of the year, if oh, not yeah. our favorite movie of the year. And, um, I mean, you said High Life earlier, but... I want um, a Captain Wax spin-off. Yeah, <laughs> I'm down, man. But, um, anyways, don't pirate it, but go out and try to find... if if uh, Smoke a joint and go see Beach Bum. It's great. Um, all right, guys, if you guys like this, please check out our other podcast on titled movie reviews. Like I mentioned, we're going to have some cool stuff coming up in the next week. Um, as always, my name is Matt Rohrbeck. You can find more of my work at untitledmoviepodcast.com, and you can follow me on all of the social medias at Matt Rohrbeck. And I'm Eric Marchin. You can find more of my work and my reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinemascene and on the social medias at EM6211. And until next time... We're in the end game now, baby. All right, all right, all right. <laughs>